Hi, friend. Welcome to North City Church's podcast. We're a community that loves our neighbors in the way of Jesus. And we hope that this message or teaching empowers you to do just that in your everyday life. If you want to learn more about the ways our community is trying to love our neighbors in the way of Jesus, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and online at NorthCityChurchMPLS.com. Enjoy the message. Tonight we're going to talk about, uh, to start our series, uh, Growing Pains, which Kara uh, introduced so brilliantly, uh, and she's dancing about it, you can tell. Uh, We're talking about Growing Pains because what we do at these community dinners is we tell stories from Jesus's life, and as we were looking at Jesus's life, we noticed how many stories we can really resonate with, particularly in times of growth, tension, and transition in our own lives, and that's in part... What's unique about the Christian faith is that we affirm that Jesus was fully God and fully human. So he entered in, even though he was God, into the experiences of what it means to be human in some way to show us the way to experience those, but to illuminate what it truly means to be human. So we're going to take a a direction and tell some of those stories. And then we don't just tell stories that, okay, oh, that's a wrap. Think about that. We'd love to set up conversation around your tables. So... Uh, one of the things you can be thinking about while I'm sharing this stories and some th- uh, this story in particular and some thoughts about it is what thoughts do you have about it? What's one thing that maybe resonates with you as we look at this story from Jesus's life? But before we jump there, uh, tonight we're talking about struggles with identity, how sometimes we struggle with identity in our lives, who we really are, what we're called to. Uh, and I want to read this proverb that's come, or that, I don't know if you call it a proverb, just like a little story that comes from this resource that some of us are reading through. Uh, and it's this little story from a book called The Song of the Bird by Tony Milano. It says, a man found an eagle's nest, or an eagle's egg, and put it in a nest in a barnyard, or the nest of a barnyard hen. The eaglet hatched with a brood of chicks and grew up with them. All his life, the eagle did what the barnyard chicks did, thinking he was a barnyard chick. He scratched at the earth for worms and insects and clucked and uh, cackled, and uh, he would thrash his wings, er, and he would thrash his wings and fly a few feet into the air. Years passed, and the eagle grew very old, and one day he saw a magnificent bird above the cloudless sky. It glided in gracefully and majestically along the powerful wind currents with uh, a beat uh, of its strong, with one beat of its strong golden wings. The eagle looked in awe. Who is that? He asked. That's the eagle, the king of the birds said his neighbor. He belongs to the sky. We belong to the earth. We are chickens. So the eagle lived and died as a chicken, for that's what he thought he was. So I introduced that story because of this quote that I encountered that kind of made me stop the other day from the author of this book where he said, let me find it here. He said, most of us go through our lives pretending to be someone else or living a life that others expect of us. 
Tonight we're going to hear a story from Jesus' life where he is in the heat of being tempted to walk away from the identity that he's been given, walk away from who he knows he is because what his father has said about him. So this is a story of Jesus' testing or temptation in the wilderness. It happens in Luke chapter 4, starting in verse 4 through 13. So I'll just read it. And remember, uh, the question we have tonight is, what's one thing that sticks out to you from this story, or one thing that resonates with you in what we're saying? It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And at, at the end of it, here's the understatement of the century, he was very hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, A man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led uh, him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I give it to whoever I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil, the devil then led him to Jerusalem and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. He said, if you're the son of God, uh, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, I will command angels concerning you uh, to guard you carefully. They will lift you up, uh, up your head, so that you will not, it, uh, you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered, uh, "It is also said, do not put the Lord your God to the test." When the devil finished tempting him, he left him until an appo uh, the appointed time. So here's this back and forth between Jesus and the devil, or another way to translate that is the accuser in the desert. And I think what's in really interesting about this is what happens before and after it. So right before this, it said he, he came from, he left the Jordan. And that's not Jordan's house. That's a river in Israel. And he had just been baptized. And there's this amazing thing that happened when he was baptized in the River Jordan. The skies opened up and uh, the Holy Spirit de descended like a dove. And then everybody there heard God's voice said, this is my son in whom I am well whom I love and in whom I am pleased. So he comes from this amazing highlight experience into the desert for temptation. And then after this, he starts his public ministry. So this is this really pivotal moment where the Holy Spirit leads him into a time of fasting. And fasting is where we intentionally give something up and the absence of that thing brings our attention towards God. So he's really trying to focus on God's presence in his life. And I don't know, when you're trying to focus on God's presence in your life, oftentimes that's when the enemy does his most work or his hardest work. And these temptations might be really confusing to you, uh, and they are certainly to me the first time that I read them through. And I found uh, this work by uh, author Henry Nowen, who sums up these temptations in ways that I think all of us can resonate with. The first temptation is, he says, it's the temptation to be relevant. Relevant. I would say it's this temptation to define our identity based on the ability to have. Based on the ability to have. 
like Jesus being tempted to turn stone into bread, we're all tempted to have the ability to fulfill whatever the need is in front of us on our own. We're tempted to satisfy our needs and our own resourcefulness instead of relying and trusting in and receiving anything from anyone. This is kind of the American way in some sense, like the high point of what we are supposed to accomplish. This wind, man, it's tough. The high, the high point of what we're supposed to accomplish is self-sufficiency. The quintessential accomplishment of the American dream is to be alone with your own gated fence and not need anything from anyone. This is the temptation to not have to trust someone to fulfill your desires, to be able to accomplish it yourself. This is the temptation to have it all and have it right now. Anybody feel that temptation? Anybody feel that script in their life that your identity must be filled with satisfying or getting you closer to having it all and having it now? That's the temptation. Instead of embracing a posture of being in need, being able to be helped by someone, being able to trust someone else to satisfy your own desires, to be in relationship with someone, essentially. Number two, he summarizes as the temptation to be popular by doing something remarkable or spectacular. I'm really afraid that we're raising a bunch of people that feel like they have to have 4,000 followers on Instagram or they have no identity at all. I think we live in a time where there is tremendous press pressure to be spectacular in your own way, to accumulate followers. We have a generation of young people who are anxious to say anything on the internet because they're so consumed with what other people and how they will react to it. And that, I, I mean, like, I'm not just going to belittle the, the, the little people among us or the younger people among us. I, I feel that tension, too. Every time I put something on the internet, I'm like, what are people going to think about this? Is this the curated, the right response? We live in this age where we have to curate our identity online. And there's this tremendous pressure to say of ourselves to define our identity based off of our social status in the moment. The third is this temptation to be powerful to lead rather than to be led. We have this fascination with people who have a lot of people who report to them as somehow that they're inherently better people. And we have this undertone, this script, that if we're not leading anything, we don't add any value to the world around us. We measure each other in the workplace by how many people report to us. We're tempted to believe that the safest place to be is never to be led by anyone at all, only to be a leader of one's self. We, pref we prefer a position of power and control over a loving relationship with others. Henry Nowern, the author I was referencing earlier, puts it this way. Power offers an easy substitute for the hard task of love. It seems that it's easier to be God than to love God, easier to control people than to love people, easier to own life than to love life. Jesus asks simply, do you love me? We ask, can we sit at the right hand, right and left hand of your kingdom and have some sort of leadership capacity? All of this is because you and I, our soul is hungry for identity. Our soul is always looking for who it, who it is we are and where we fit in the world. Anybody resonate with any of those temptations in their life?
As I said, it's so important to note what precedes this, his baptism where he hears these words, this is my son who I'm loved and who I'm well pleased. And this is what, oh, there is a squirrel right under you, Kara. There's a baby squirrel. What a distraction. Don't squish the squirrel. He's right there just hanging out. He wanted it on the El Toro, I guess. This is why I asked Kara to play the song Gyra. Um, if that's not a word familiar to you, you're a normal human being. It's like a Hebrew word that it, uh, we use to refer to God in the Old Testament, Jehovah Jireh. And there was a song, if you were listening, it was listening to the refrain, it says, I'll never be more loved than I am right now. I wasn't holding you up, so there's nothing I can do to let you down. It doesn't take a trophy to make you proud. I've never been more loved than you right now. And then the refrain says, I'm already loved. I'm already chosen. I know who I am. I know because you have spoken. I'm already loved more than I can imagine. And it is enough. I imagine Jesus had having a tune flow through his head during these moments, rooting himself in those words from his father and his baptism before. And this is the anti, uh, antidote to temptation. Rooting ourselves in the knowledge and the love of Jesus, or love of Jesus, the love of God. That's what Jesus kept coming back to in the midst of the temptation when he was tempted to have it all, to be the solution to his own problem. When he was tempted to do something spectacular, to garner popularity from others around him. When he had the temptation to say his life is only valuable if he's powerful or has power over others, he was able to lean back onto these promises that his God was already pleased with him, that his father was already pleased with him. And it's in those moments of temptation that Jesus offers that to us. The Bible is very clear that if we start a relationship with Jesus, we can live into a different script, that we don't have to be plagued by not having it all, don't have to be plagued by how many followers we have on the internet or how popular we feel in the moment, don't have to be plagued by these images that we have to be powerful and start these uh, big companies or something like that or have people report or respond uh, to us, we can find rest in our souls because of the love of God in our life. After this, I just love this. Jesus comes out into his hometown and declares this in the synagogue. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because I've been anointed to proclaim the good news to the poor. And I've been sent to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind. I just imagine that scene of Jesus coming out of this season of temptation with such clarity about whose he is, who he is, and what he's called to do. And I know that when you're in these seasons of temptation in your life, when you're, you know, uh, in the trenches of feeling all these pressures that the scripts of the world can put on you, that it's hard to get to that point of clarity. And I think the invitation for you tonight is uh, the invitation to, first of all, recognize that there is an enemy who would have you think you're a chicken instead of an eagle to bring it back. It would have you think that you have to wrap your, li uh, your life, you have to have your life be dictated by the expectations of these scripts of having it all, of being popular and being powerful. When Jesus has a completely different script that's already written for you, that you're loved, like it says in Ephesians 2, that you are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works. 
the hardest thing in our lives is to do the work of knowing who God has created us to be and to live out of that identity as his children. So what are you thinking about tonight? What is one thing that resonates when Jesus' story of being tempted, anything I've said about that? Think about that as I pray here to close the story time, and then you have an opportunity to share that at your tables. Let me pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you, God, for this night, for this food, to be around tables, God. Thank you that you endured all things that we endure. Thank you for showing us, God, what it means to persevere in the face of temptation, to trust your words, God, that you've created us to be in relationship with you, and it's out of that identity, out of that loving relationship, that everything we need to be who you created us to be flows. And it's in that, God, that we can find peace, that our souls can truly rest. In Jesus' name, amen. A few moments to chat around your table.